0: Good morning, New Testament Church, L.A.J. This is the day the Lord hath made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Hallelujah. I'm trusting that we are all prepared for the service this morning. Reaching for God. Trusting in God. Believing in God. Amen. That we didn't just get up this morning and haphazardly pick out something in a closet, walk to the car, half asleep, dreading the drive. I'm telling on somebody. Mm -hmm. But that we came excited. Believing that God was going to do something in our hearts and lives and make a difference in us, hallelujah, so that we can lift up the Lord to them, hallelujah, not just amongst ourselves, but that He be lifted up inside of us so that He will begin to draw people to Him. Glory to God. That they'll see our good works and glorify the Father. Glory to God. You know, I was thinking this morning and in the past week about, and, and Sister Kathy and I had texted once, I think, or twice, and about um, last week. And, you know, it, it wasn't just last week. I told Sister Kathy, I said, you know, I hope Brother John is really proud because he's been preaching this c- us coming together. Do you remember when he very first came to this church, what he was preaching about one mind, yes. one accord? In one place, we need to go back and re-listen to some of the old messages, amen, and see where we're at today, because we—I think—we've been flowing like that. I mean, it seems like for a while now, everybody that ministers or or takes the mic and you know begins to do the front of the service or what have you, or close the service—that uh, that it seems like everybody's got one idea. Hallelujah! Different scripture but all pointing to the same idea, the same mind of God. That's wonderful. And you know what's great is that it's not just here at this little church, but the fact that Sister Kathy ministered last Saturday night and then then walks in the church Sunday morning and we're all on the same page. Only a God can do that. A great big God named Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. A sovereign God who knows all. In all and through all. Amen. And I was I was thinking this week about how good it is to be in God. And God in us. Is that right? That's right. <laughs> us in Him and Him in us. Because when we are, we begin to walk in the kingdom. That's what it's all about. We begin to see with the kingdom eyes and hear with kingdom ears. Hallelujah what God has in store for His people. But there's, there's certain warnings that come along with that because we don't need to get high-minded and think more of ourselves than we ought to because God's actually using us. And there is a true warning. I think there is. There should be a true warning that comes along because flesh will always revert back to flesh. And until we get our new bodies, we're kind of stuck with this albatross. <laughs> we're kind of stuck with this dead man dragging him around. But we just got to make sure that he behaves himself. And it's not my job to keep your dead man in check. It's my job to keep my dead man in check. I like what I heard uh, Ken Davis say a long time ago. He said, it's not my job to make the well flow with water. It's just my job to make sure the well stays clean. Come on. Uh, Some people may not know what I'm talking about. I hope I'm talking to some folks that knows what a hand-dug well is. I'm not talking about county water (laughs) that's piped to you. I'm talking about I'm old enough to remember uh, hand-dug wells where the wells was, you know, this big around. And they... That's hot. And they lowered people down with ropes. And they went, men, down into these wells. And they would take buckets and they would dip filth and stuff out of those wells. Because most of them was uncovered. And animals sometimes would fall into these wells and die and drown. And then they would become polluted. And you'd have to get the pollution out in order to drink the water. They would pour Clorox, gallons of Clorox into these wells. I'm glad somebody knows what I'm talking about. Come on, Sister Deborah, raise your hand and say, I know what you're talking about. It was their job to keep that well clean. And sometimes they just wouldn't home when an animal would wander by. They just wouldn't, no fault of their own. But their job was to keep that thing clean. And it was God's job to keep the water flowing. Amen. Well, sometimes it's not necessarily all the sins, Brother Donald, that we've got so accustomed to hearing preached on, you know, that contaminates the well. Sometimes it's not something over there. Sometimes it's something in here. And we got to watch out for these little foxes that wants to spoil our vines because don't think the devil for one second is a dumb devil. Just because he used the same old tricks don't make him a dumb devil. Those same old tricks work on you. That's the reason he keeps using them. That's pretty smart. If I know something works, I'm going to use it. (laughs) It's proven. Right, I like that. (laughs) So he knows that if this ain't going to get you, if you're well aware of this, He's going to try something else. He's always going to try something. So we've got to keep our eyes open. And we've got to understand the sufferings of Christ. We've got to understand what He's doing in us to bring us to the place of maturity and the place of perfection. See, when I was a baby... I can't really remember when I was a baby, so let's take Carrie. When she was a baby. When Carrie was a baby, she was the most precious thing I'd ever seen. I loved her more than I loved myself. And until she got big enough to do for herself, it was the greatest pleasure in my life to take care of her. I still love taking care of her. But now I expect more out of her. But when she was a baby, I would I would wrap her. If she got fussy, I knew how to swaddle her. I would swaddle her, get her all tight in that little warm blankie, and then I'd hold her next to me. And I would just play with her and pet her and feed her, burp her, love her, change her. It was a privilege to do all those things. And she didn't have to do nothing except just smile at me. And she was just loved and taken care of. But then as she got bigger and started toddling around, I'd have to go over and smack her hands every now and then. Eh, 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 eh. Eh, 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 eh. I'm not putting my stuff up for you. You're going to learn to stay away from my stuff. Because if I go to Sister Kathy's house, she's not going to put her stuff up just because I brought my kids. So they need to learn how to behave. Not just at my house, but at someone else's. We as God's people... Need to understand that it ain't just talking rock, acting right, singing right when we're at God's house. But it's also when we're at out there at someone else's. Yeah. Come, on. Yeah. Come on, is that right? Yeah. We need to know that we've got some raisin. Yeah. Yeah. We need to act like we got some raisin. That's what my mama, my mama used to say. Would you act like you got some raisin? But what are we doing? I think a lot. All right, keep my hands off the mute button. (laughs) It's all good. Take two. (laughs) Take two. (laughs) He's still defeated, that's right. But sometimes what we do is we run around and instead of actually worshiping God, we begin to get weary in our well-doing. And what happens is the enemy sees that. He sees discouragement when it's in the discouragement stage, when we're suffering for Christ and we don't understand. When we're going through things that's maturing us and growing us up because now we're not in the infant stage anymore. So it ain't just all roses. It ain't everybody saying, oh, that was wonderful. Uh, It's not just, I remember when I got saved, I was happy for a long time and then all of a sudden happiness wore off. Has it ever wore off? Yeah, it wears off. Just cause you're saved, don't mean you're happy all the time. Life happens. I still had to go to work on Monday. I still had troubles in my home. I still had financial burdens. I still had sins I had to take care of. Somebody raise your hand and say Amen. I still had growing that had to be done. Growing's painful. <laughs> I still had wants and needs and desires that wasn't fulfilled in my life. Just because you get saved don't mean you get translated. It just means you got an introduction. Amen. You ain't read the book yet. You just read the introduction. And we need to understand that suffering is part of it. And that Christ suffered. Joseph suffered. David suffered. He was anointed the king of Israel with a horn of oil from the prophet of God. And yet, he was, he was uh, 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 persecuted. Uh, uh, Saul himself threw javelins trying to kill him. He had to run for his life. At one point in time, he got down and had to act like a lunatic and drool on himself to keep from getting murdered. He had to stay in caves with bands of thieves. That don't look Christian to me. That don't sound Christian to me. That's not what the world is preaching today. They're preaching prosperity, Cadillacs, uh, money flowing out of heaven, perfect health. But they're not suffering. They're not enduring. They're not growing. Actually, they're getting kind of bratty. And they feel entitled. America today is Christians feel so entitled to so much that they don't even have claim of. God. I read a little, we get what's called uh, inspirational messages every day at work. And it came up on my email and it said, Most Christians are reaching for eti- immortality. Most Christians are reaching for immortality, but yet they don't know what to do with one hour of free time. What do we do with one hour of free time? Now, just think for a second, and I'm going to read a scripture, but, let, but we're, we're walking into something this morning, okay? We're so busy. Me and Carrie was talking coming up the road how we would really, really, really like to get on some kind of regimen so we could lose some weight. And, uh, but yet, she has schoolwork. She's a full-time student in college. She's a full-time employed worker. She works all night long from, what, 10 to 7? 10 to 7 every night. Comes home, eats. She has to wash her own clothes. She's an adult. She fixes her own food. She's an adult. It's hard being an adult. Come on. It's hard being an adult. So we were saying, we'd really like to go to the gym, but when do we have time? Because we're so busy having to survive... In this world that we've created, I'm sorry, but we created it. God created the planet. We create the world we live in. Come on, let that sink in for just a second. God created the planet, but we create the world we live in. Government don't create the world you live in. Your circumstances and situations do not create the world you live in because you have power and authority over every one of them. We live in the world we create, each one of us. So what do we do with an hour of free time? We try to relax. We try to unwind. We catch a movie. We go sit and listen to the birds sing and drink a cup of coffee. We're just so exhausted because we do so much. But how much does God play in that? In our free time. Because we all make time to study. We all make time to pray. I hope we do. <laughs> we all make time for Sunday morning service, but I want to talk to you about free time for just a few seconds. Because that is a free will offering. That's something we give God that He don't demand. That's kind of like the offering above the tithe. Don't look at me funny now. Come on, this is we're word people. We done past this. Y'all ought to be amening me, confirming that you know what I'm saying. Amen. So what do we do, though, when we get in sufferance? Do we make time to just be alone with God? Or do we try to fix it? Do we try to fill that void? Do we try to take care of it? We've got a little free time. What are we doing with our free time? Let's go to Genesis chapter... 32. Because American Christianity is not the God-fearing, God-referencing Christianity that we're making it out to be. It's just not. Not anymore. Today's Christianity is based and founded, and founded means that's their foundation upon most idol worship. Idol worship. We worship more idols than we worship a true and living God. And I am so scared to say, but probably three-fourths of everyone sitting in this Sunday morning service, not just here, but I'm talking about on the Sabbath day in every church, three-fourths of them are probably going to open their eyes in hell one day at judgment. And they're going to be the ones who cried out and said, Lord, we went to church every Sunday. Lord, we paid our tithes. Lord, we, uh, we, we didn't cuss, we didn't drink, we didn't smoke, we didn't dope but he's going to say, I really never knew you. Three-fourths. I would say, it may even be greater than that. I would say 90% of everybody who's got a Jesus bumper sticker in a t-shirt and pays all their money to listen to praise and worship CDs, come on and goes to these big, huge, mega churches, ain't going to be there with some of us in heaven. Certainly not going to enter into the kingdom here on earth. Ninety percent, I'd say. Because if you look at America, if you broaden your horizons past just your little family, broaden your horizons past this little church right here with one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 10 of us. Ten on a Sunday morning. Broaden your horizons past this little group. And let's look at the world for just a second. Let's look at the United States for just a second. If you were standing in uh, China, looking at America, what would you say about her? Would you say she's a God-fearing country? If you were in another country watching our media, watching our news feeds, that's, that's telling everybody everything, what would you think about America? America. I'd say, oh Lord, we need to send missionaries. We need to get the gospel to them people. Oh my goodness! But you know what has happened? We have filled ourselves up on junk food and we don't crave the real Word of God anymore. (laughs) We've hardened our heart to the gospel because we've looked at our neighbor and we've judged God according to our own selves. And when we went through something Instead of going to God and calling on God, we found a substitute for God to make it okay. When something came up that we didn't understand, instead of going to the Word, we had to look super Christian. So we had to make God fit in what was going on in our life. We created idols. And we have got so used to looking at these idols and fellowshipping with these idols and worshipping with these idols that we've become idolaters. In the house of God. God's people that He loved. Every one of us sitting here has had a miracle in our life. Every one of us. And yet we forget our miracle and who it came from. Exodus chapter 32 verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down. Let God delay His coming just a little longer. There's one scripture in the Bible that says, shall he find faith when he returns? Will he? <laughs> I mean, this is something real serious to think about. We think that we are so uh, so righteous that there's no way that God could ever look down on us and say, mm-mm-mm, mm-mm-mm. But I, I am afraid, Brother Donald, of how many people think they're saved that ain't. That absolutely is not. They've never been born again. They've never had a real God uh, uh, experience. I want to tell you something. I don't know how you got yours. But I didn't just come up here and cry because I was scared or felt sorry about something that happened in my life. I never repeated after a preacher. I never signed a card. I had an experience. And let me tell you what comes along with an experience. A change. Yeah. Something changed in my life. You know, one of the greatest deceptions that's being preached, I mean on the airwaves across all of America, the biggest heresy and deceiving word that's going out, is that if you ask Jesus into your heart, He's bound to come. And all you got to do is say, Save me, Lord. I want to be saved. Or yes, I accept Jesus as my personal Savior. What does that even mean? Without a conviction. What does that mean? Without the Holy Ghost dealing. It's words. It's nothing. The only way you can be saved, the only way that you can enter into this kingdom is through His Son. And you've got to have faith in His Son. And let me tell you what faith in His Son does. It changes you. Amen. Faith in His Son changes you. And I dare say that a lot of the things that we do, the places we go, the things that we watch, the music that we listen to. Amen. Come on. If we truly believe that Jesus was right there standing beside of us, we'd have a little shame about it. The things that, I will tell you something. I used to, when I was a kid and I was like 13, 14, 15 years old, I would sneak around and do things, but I didn't want my mama to find out about it. Mm. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Man. On the count of, I was afraid. So I would watch. I, I wanted to make sure that the people that I was hanging with or the places I went, nobody knew me. On the count of I didn't want, to get, I didn't want it to get back to mama. Come on now. You know what we do as Christians? As supposedly mature Christians? We sneak around and do things, making sure that uh, maybe Sister Patterson's church won't find out about this, or maybe Brother So-and-So's church, maybe Kenny won't find out, him, him and little Sister Christina. I don't want them to know. I just use them because we all know them. <laughs> I, I, don't want, I hope Brother John don't catch me here, or, or does anybody know him that might tell him? Come on, somebody. Moses delayed his coming. He had went to be with the Lord. And the whole congregation, the whole congregation got weary in waiting. They was beginning to feel uncomfortable. They was beginning to question what's going on. If you don't know what's going on, just hush until God speaks to you. Put your hand over your mouth. My God, (laughs) can we not wait? Can we not tarry? Jesus went and woke his disciples up. He said, can you not tarry with me? God's asking us. You're uncomfortable. You're in a little bit of suffering. You may be in a little bit of questioning. You may not understand. But just wait. Hold on. Don't revert back to your idols. Don't walk, don't go back into the bondage you just came out of. You may have changed churches and you're considering coming to this church. Don't bring your idol worship in here, amen. Because a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Is that right? <laughs> don't come in here with your idols wanting to worship them the same way you worshiped over there and that didn't work for you. This ain't going to work for you and the next place ain't going to work for you. Because it's not the church. It's the idol. It's not the God. It's the false gods. Why isn't the Lord working in my life? we got to tear down the groves and cut down the altars, amen, that we're offering to. And they're not real. They're artificial. They're man-made. Oh, my God. I want to tell you something. All those sermons that you've been listening to and feeding yourself on, and they're not helping you, they're hurting you, you need to get rid of it. All the music that you're listening to that's not promoting the gospel, amen, it's just making you feel good. You need to get rid of it. Come on, all the thoughts that we've been thinking in our mind. And you may say to yourself, it's not a sin until I act upon it. I beg to differ. Jesus himself said, it's not only a sin to commit fornication, right. but I dare say that if you look upon a woman and lust after her, then you've committed adultery in your own heart. Yeah, that's, right. that's not an action. That's a thought. Come on, Jesus. We've got to discipline our mind. We've got to get rid of idols. We've got to get rid of these strange gods that's hindering us. Because what's going to happen is we're going to have a test one day. And it's going to be real quiet. And you ain't going to be able to get a hold of Brother John, Sister Lisa. You're not going to be able to get a hold of your favorite preacher. You're going to pray and God ain't going to say nothing. And you're going to start wondering where is he at. Where is he at? Then the devil's going to come by because it's your season. Come on, sis. Come on. That's your season. Yes, Jesus. Jesus had one. We're going to have one. He, he had more than one. Just one was recorded because the Bible clearly said that the devil went away to wait. <laughs> to wait for a more opportune time, for a season, another season. So, what do we do when we get in this situation? We wait. We buckle down. We trust God then when like we've never trusted Him before. We read more then than we've ever read before. Not trying to figure out, but just to stay close to God. I don't feel you. I can't hear you. I don't see you, but I trust you. I, that's what trust is. Hanging on when it don't look like there's nothing to hang on to. Amen. Daring to believe. Whenever the devil's whispering, your God's dead. When the devil's whispering, you remember those miracles? You remember how the Red Sea parted? Do you remember seeing Pharaoh's army drowned? (laughs) That's not adding idols to God. That's taking idols away from what we believe. Cutting them down. Amen. Mm -hmm. So they waited. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together. The most dangerous thing in the world is democracy in the house of God. The most dangerous thing in the world is democracy in the house of God. There is no vote. Sorry. It's God. And then it's the pastor. Come on. And then it's the under-pastor or the under-shepherd. Amen. Come on now. If you've got a complaint, you pray about it first before you go yapping. If you've got a question, you pray about it first before you go yapping. Don't take it to me. Don't come to me. Amen. I don't want to know. Uh, so many people will say, I tell you, I just want you to pray about something. <laughs> You're not wanting nobody to pray. You're wanting to gripe. You're wanting to start a confusion. You're wanting to start contention. If you've got an honest problem, I'm fixing to lay it on you, Sister Lisa. <laughs> Us women, right there is where you go. Not there, 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 there. Hear me. Mm -mm. That's not the way it goes. That's not chain of command. We're not going to start a coup. I don't care if you have been wronged. Can I tell you, I've been wronged in the house of God before. I've been wronged by a preacher before. I've been wronged by a pastor before. I've been wronged by my own head before. And you know what God told me? Keep your mouth shut about it. I'll deal with it. Oh, but that's hard. You know what growing up is hard. And this kingdom's going to be even harder. And you're fighting a devil that's way smarter than you. Come on. We don't want to admit that. We've got the Bible said we had power and we had authority over him. Doesn't say we're smarter than him. He's subtle. He's sly, he's crafty. He's looking for a way to trip you up. Come on, this is good whether you should, whether you like it or not. This is still good, and it's still necessary because you need to understand suffering, you need to understand patience, you need to understand endurance. We need to add upon this sovereignty of God because God has a plan. See, this isn't one scripture last week and another scripture this week. This is building scripture upon scripture. If you want to take it the gospel way, it's line upon line and precept upon precept. Hey, is that the scripture, somebody? We're building something here. Amen. We're building something here. So the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron, second in command. And they said, we've decided. (laughs) We've all got together and we've decided. And said unto him, up. In other words, do something. Do something. Have you, as a speaker, a minister, a preacher, a teacher, have you ever, as an authority, had someone come to you and say, You got to do something about this? I know you have. (laughs) You got to do something about this. I'm sure you have, Brother John, being pastor. (laughs) You got to do something about that. you got to do something. That's the very first thing the devil will always entice you with. The very first lie the devil will always come at you with is you need to do something. So very first one. You know why? Because it works every time. <laughs> but that's not faith, is it? No. That's faith in me. That's not faith in God. Right. Now, if I'm saved, what did I say salvation was? Going to church? No. Paying my time? Did it again, didn't I? What faith is, is faith in God. I mean, what salvation is, is faith in God. Knowing Him as my Savior. Knowing Him as my Deliverer. Knowing Him, amen. Intimately knowing Him. Trusting Him. Believing Him. Me doing nothing. Him doing everything. Now, that doesn't mean that I sit around and just wait for the sparrows to feed me by the brook. Amen. But that means I wait when he says wait, and I move when he says move. My mama, we used to, she used to raise bird dogs, and we'd take them bird dogs as puppies. She would train them. She'd train them. She'd train them. She'd train them. And she'd throw them uh, uh, quail wings. She'd have like a fishing rod and quail wings tied up. She'd throw them way out in the yard. And I'm talking about little bitty puppies. So you got to start this as a youth that's why the devil's targeting our youth right now. She'd throw them wings way out there. And she'd tell them puppies, they'd be kind of just, you know, playing around, playing around. And she'd say something. I can't really remember what it was. But anyway, they would start searching. They'd just scatter out. Ten, twelve of them start searching. And whenever one would find the wings way out there, they'd stop. And she'd say, hold. And every one of them would freeze. And they didn't move again until she said move. Because if they did, they got the tire beat out of them. <laughs> See, we don't like that. We don't even want to discipline our children. Society says don't even discipline your children. Your children. I'll tell you, when I was growing up, society disciplined me. If, if my aunt or uncle saw me doing something, they'd grab me up. They didn't have to ask mama. <laughs> now they, now that's not even the case. Them dogs, them they, the little puppies, they held until she said, step up. Step up didn't mean run in. meant step. Wow. And then hold. Yeah. Hold. And you know what? But she wasn't really teaching them to seek out the wing as much as she was teaching them to stand still. Yeah. To wait for my next command. Yeah. That's what God's trying to teach us through suffering. Yeah. It's hard standing there in that field. It's hard just waiting and wondering. What? There it is. I see it. There it is. Let me go. Let me go. Hold. And sometimes you can see them just kind of trembling and they'd raise one foot up real slow and hold. It's freeze. <laughs> you know, you ever seen bird dogs? They get anxious, you know, and they'll raise that one foot up real slow and lean. Hold. We've got to learn to hold through it all. We claim to be saved. We claim to be born again. We claim to be blood-bought Christians. We've got to learn these fundamental things. If not, we're doing what they do in the world. We're acting like they do in the world. I don't want to act like the big churches. I do not want to be identified like that. That is not Christianity to me. No, 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 no. I have to admit, when I first got born again, I imitated the older people. I wanted the long hair. I wanted the long dresses. You know why? Because I was a child, and to me, I had so much respect for them. I wanted, because I thought they had what it took, and I was willing to do anything to get that. But then, as I grew in God, the Lord started telling me about my own personal dedications. Amen. And he started cutting away from me some things that they still operated in. Like some of those tongues that Brother Meritor talks about. Every one of them had the same tongue. God started showing me a long time ago. That's just repetitious. That's, that's that's, that's That's a form. There's no worship involved in it. Come on. If you do that, you're the same as a Pharisee. Because they learned holiness. They learned it to a to a T. But they did not know God. So there's nothing wrong with tongues. We're not coming against tongues. We're coming, coming against a form. The formula that the church has devised. Because that formula turns into an idol and we're calling it Jesus. Do you understand when they made the golden calf? They called it Jehovah. They didn't call it Ra. They didn't call it the sun god. They didn't call it by another name. They call that golden calf Jehovah. Is that not scary? The church has done the same thing. We've created idols and we're calling it Jesus. We've created form. We've created idol worship. We've built altars to it. And we're calling it Jesus, but there's no power in it. And God is angry. And they said unto Aaron, up, do something, move. The first thing the devil will come at you with is you do something. You move. I can't tell you how many times I have sat in church services, different church services, and saw the error in it. Now, that's not me being judgmental. That's me using discernment. That's me trying the spirits. What is my God-ordained right and privilege to do? He actually commands us to try the spirits to see whether they be of God or not. Now you don't run out and say, Oh, that church over there, you know, da-da-da. <laughs> but you know what you're supposed to do what you're supposed to be and what you're supposed to be doing in the midst of all that. You're supposed to know the real from the wrong, the, the 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 reality from the fake. And I have wanted so bad. Not in a mean spirit. Sometimes I get aggravated when I hear the scripture being used wrong and such, but not in a mean spirit, just to get up and, and, and set, you know, just to use a scripture that, that shines a light on what's going on here, you know, and sometimes God will allow it, you know, sometimes, most of the time, he don't, and I'll say, please, God, please, please, I promise, I won't be mean, I won't be hateful, just please, and he'll be like, hold, hold, And I'll I'll have my foot coming up in the air. Hold. The devil will say, move. Up, Susie. Up. You can change this. You can do something about this. You've been anointed. You're a teacher. Up. And God will say, hold. Hold. That's suffering. It ain't always sickness that's suffering. Come on. It ain't always sickness that's suffering. It ain't always your financial debt that's suffering. It ain't always you wanting something and not getting it. That's not necessarily suffering. Sometimes knowing to do right, knowing what is right, and God saying it ain't going to prosper anything, it just brings confusion. So hold. And sometimes the judgment of God's own people. Do you know the Bible actually said that He had confused their very thoughts, the fruit of their thoughts? That's in the Word. God said, you know what? They're so hard-hearted. They're so contrary. They're so set in their own ways. I've called. I've beckoned. I've pled. And they won't change, so I'm going to confuse the very thoughts that they have. And they just go in this insanity. And for you to come in and try to straighten it out is against the will of God. Hold do suffering. Don't, yeah, you don't want to use the word suffering so much that people misinterpret the word suffering and think that it's only sickness or that it's only debt or it's only persecution. Sometimes it's God training you because telling somebody like me to hold sometimes is suffering. <laughs> There's a lot of people that would just, you know, real timid and would like to back out of some things and they're like, but me, I'm like, nah, let me step right in. With the love of God and a smile on my face. I can fix this God. I can open the scripture up. Oh, yeah, and be sweet of And God says, Hold. <laughs> so they said unto Aaron, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we want not what is become of him. It's just gone 40 days. (laughs) I've been in mess that's lasted 15 years. (laughs) Yeah. I've been in some stuff that's lasted years. And I would have gladly traded for 40 days. Come on. I've had stuff in my life that's carried on and on and on. I've had generational stuff that started back in my grandparents. And that's as far back as I know. It could have been in their grandparents too that's come down the line, generational stuff. That's the Word of God that I'm having to deal with now because God has opened my eyes up to it. And that's been centuries, generations of hold, hold, hold. Come on, is that right? But they said, we want something done now. 40 days is too long. Forty days is too long to be in this situation, to be in this mess. I've waited on God. I've waited on Moses. I've prayed about it. I've talked to everybody in the community about it. I've got on the phone, called Fort Payne about it. I've done everything I knew to do, so now get up and do something. We want a God. We demand something that we can see. And Aaron said unto them, Break off your golden earrings, which you have in your ears, your wives, your sons, your daughters, and bring them unto me. And the people break them off and carried them, uh, which were in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand. He received them. You know what they were doing? Free will offerings. Nobody passed a collection plate. They were willing to run and give. (coughs) Have you ever seen that? They were willing to run and Give. To an idol. To an idol. Not to God. But to an idol. God wasn't asking them for their jewelry. God wasn't asking them for their earrings. God was simply saying, Hold, wait, I'm working on something. Have you ever had somebody just so impatient? You're trying maybe you as a locksmith, you ever went out trying to work on somebody's car and they're just, oh my God, it's so hot. Can you not get this done? Oh my God, how much longer? I need, I've got to be at my next appointment. I've got to get into this car. Just break the window. Just, just break the window. Hold. I've got this. I've got the equipment. I've got the hardware. I can do this. Let me. Let me do this. But we're so impatient. We've got to create something. We've got to create a way. Come on. They ran to give to an idol. We beg. Please, they're going to cut the lights off. We've got to have. Please, the floor is falling in. Please, the toilet don't flush anymore. We've got to have. We've got to have for your necessities, for your convenience, for for your comfort. Well, let's see. Here's a dollar. But these people were willing to run and break off the very most expensive gold and give to an idol. We do it too. It's shameful. We run to concerts. Oh, it's Christian music, is it? We run to hear these big preachers. Oh, so-and-so's coming to... And you know what? They sell tickets, Brother Matter, to get into churches to hear preachers. I I, I wouldn't give you three cents. I'd be afraid to even drive by the parking lot. Of any such, but they'll give. They run to it and they give. Oh my God! They set up their flea markets out in your uh, uh, vestibules when they come to sell their wares, and we buy it and hoard up this stuff—trinkets for idols. That's idol worship, and we can't give a free will gift to God's house. Come on, this ain't just about tithes and offerings this morning. This is about suffering. This is about holding. This is about idol worship that church people have. Not sinners, church people. We have these built up in our own lives. And God said it's time to break them. It's time to tear down your altars. It's time to to burn your groves and, and your idol worship. Amen. Get rid of this stuff. It's hindering us. My God, and all the people break off their gold earrings which were in their ears and they brought them unto Aaron and he received them at their hand and he fashioned with a graving tool after he had made it a molten calf and they said, These be our gods, O Israel, which brought us up out of the land of Egypt. They're calling this calf God. We're doing the same thing. I, ha- I don't have to go back over it time and time again. All these things that we're doing, and we're calling it Jesus. We're calling it God. And we've never once asked Him, what do you think about it? How do you feel about it? I want to tell you what, Brother Donald. If you can go down the road and listen to a gospel song, and it gets you all teary-eyed, and then somebody cuts you off and makes you want to cuss, something's wrong. Something's wrong. If we can come to the house of God and listen to preaching and, it, and we just say, oh, that was such a blessing. Thank you. I needed that. I needed that. And go straight out in the churchyard and get mad because somebody's opened their car door and scratched our vehicle. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Your God don't last five seconds. Your God ain't lasting. He's not holding. Amen. The God of Israel, the God Jehovah, He told him. He said, you wait 40 days for a word. Wait 40 days before, before another word. We can't wait five seconds. The song that we're crying to can still be playing on the radio and anger fill our hearts. That's not God. He said, my peace I leave with you not as the world gives. Come on. But we filled ourselves with the world. And that's the reason we have no Peace. We filled ourselves with the world. We filled ourselves with junk and junk Christianity. Junk food Christianity. And it ain't lasting. When we, we get hungry and we get a sugar fix, we grab a Twinkie and we eat it. it. It calms that craving. But I want to tell you something, your blood sugar shoots up. Come on. And you're just spinning for just a few seconds and then it drops and you ain't got nothing anymore. Whereas if you'd put a bean in there, Amen. if you'd put a pinto in there, You'd have had a little something to go on that was regular. Come on. Come on. God's telling us, hold. The Twinkie looks good, but it's not real. It's not nourishing. It's doing your body more harm than it is good. I'm about to change. These is our God's, O Israel, which brought us out out of the land of Egypt. Where was that calf at in Egypt? Where was that calf? (laughs) <laughs> where was the calf at when Pharaoh's men was behind them? Where was the calf at when the cloud stood between them? Hallelujah. My Pharaoh's men in the Red Sea. Where was the calf at when the waters were parting all night long? Where was the calf at when they were eating manna? Where was the calf at when Moses smote the rock and gave them something to drink? Where was this calf? This calf had only been there for two or three minutes. And they were already calling it Jehovah. And we shake our heads and say, how could they do that? And we're doing the same thing today. We're doing the same thing. Pick your CD up when you get in the car. I want you to. I want you to. Pick your CD up. Listen to it one last time. What is it saying? Is it glorifying God? Or is it just glorifying God? A calf, Ooh, come, on. come on now yeah. Yeah. now i 'm going to say something that might be a little bit little little more on brother john 's line. Pick your Bible up, pick that word up that you 're trusting to be God i will tell you it ain 't ever translation that 's god i 'm not going to say you got to just have the King James Version. But I'm telling you, you better know what you're reading. Because ain't every Bible out there that says Holy Bible that's actually translated correctly. Come on. Listen to the preachers that you're listening to. Put them up against the Word of God. I dare say, if I ever say anything out of the Word of God and call it the Word of God, please come to me for my own benefit. For my own benefit. Is that right? They said... This calf, it is the God that brought us up out of Egypt. And it had just been created. The enemy is creating stuff inside of you every day. And you're accepting it to be Jesus. I'm daring you to take a look at it. To take a look at what you're calling God. Take a look at what you're calling Jesus. Take a look at your Holy Ghost. Amen. And make sure that Holy Ghost is lining up with the Word of God. Come on, somebody. And they rose up early in the morning. (laughs) Brother Donald, I need you to witness right here. How many people, if you say I'm going to cut grass, or Brother Philip, I'm going to cut grass, or I'm going to work back there, how many of us get up early in the morning to get here? I'm guilty of it too, because I stay real busy. But we need to start making time for God and God's house. Because they did. Oh, now, if we're going to the fair, we make time to get up. because I worked yesterday. I worked on Bobby's porch. And it is so hot. It is so hot. I said to myself, i got to get up early. Saturdays is the only day I have off that I can actually do something for, for me. The only day out of seven. But you know what I decided to do? Get up early before the sun come up and get out there and work on that porch. <laughs> Didn't we, Carrie? She, worked, she did too. We make time when we have to, to get up early. You know what the Bible says? Seek me early. That's what God says. Seek me early while I may be found. (laughs) While I may be found. He's got a schedule too. But yet we we say, you know what? I will make some time for you. They rose up early on the morrow and burnt and offered burnt offerings. And I'm just going to say this and then we'll bring the preacher room. And peace offerings. (laughs) They're just going to make peace with this calf. And the people sat down. Now listen here, because this ties in to what Brother Metter was saying last week. They sat down at this idol to eat, to drink, and rose up to play. Rose up to play. They ate, which means they filled, they satisfied an appetite. They had an appetite for a God, the world, things that made them feel good. Our flesh is hungry for the world. It has an appetite. They rose up and they filled that appetite. They drank. They got drunk in the cares of life. And they played. That word play means sexual immorality. Fornicators. Adulterers and fornicators. They did all this in the name of God. Could you see why he got angry? I mean, could you see why God would get angry? They, they had an appetite for the world and filled themselves. And filled themselves. And said, we're doing this in the name of, we would call it today, Jesus. We're doing this in the name of Jesus. They got drunk on the lust of their flesh, fulfilling the lust of their flesh. And they called it Jesus. And then they began to perform sexual immoral things. Right there in the presence of the altar that they had just burnt offerings to. And they called it, had the audacity to call it Jesus. God's saying, I'm tired of this. Last thing I'm going to say, and I'm sitting down. God spoke to Moses. One out of millions that came out of Egypt. One out of millions who was standing. Hold, hold, hold. And he said, I'm going to kill every one of them. I'm going to destroy every last one of them. You can't do this in my name and get by with it. Church, we can't do these things that we're doing any longer in his name and get by with it. He's coming. He's coming. He's coming not to call us out, but to judge He's And where's he going to start, Sister Kathy? His house. Judgment must first start in the house of God. It's time to examine. Examine whether we be in the faith or not. Amen. Because just because you've got a profession, just because you prayed one time, amen, that don't get you a ticket. Amen. If you've truly been born again, you are born again in faith, in His Son. And faith in His Son will create a hunger and a desire after holiness and righteousness. If there's never been a change, you ain't got what it takes. Come on, somebody. I want us to stand to our feet, welcome our pastor, amen, who's going to lead us into the Word of God further and further and further, and we're going to grow and receive it, amen?
1: God sent his son They call
2: Hallelujah! go ahead and give the Lord a good praise how many of you believe because he lives because he lives he holds the keys of hell and death he's conquered all things and the good thing about it is he wants to come live right here in that authority in that dominion he wants to come live right here That's what he created us for. Do y'all realize that? God created us to be his house. And we've got to get ready. I told my wife this morning, and we've been talking about this for two or three weeks. I said, it's now or never. I said, I'm tired of things hindering me. I'm tired of things holding me back. I'm tired of things getting in my way. we got that trailer here now. I'm going to start spending time up there. I'm going to be in this church almost every evening, if not during the day. I'm going to pray this thing through. Because I know what God showed me come out of this church. And I was reminding God the other day. I said, Lord, you showed us a move of God going out of this church. Y'all go ahead and be seated. I said, you showed it. I saw it in the Spirit. He said, I showed you it burst in prayer. I said, (laughs) oh, oh, yeah, you did, didn't you? And I told her, I said, it's what God showed us what we're going to do. I got nothing else to live for except to possess the kingdom of God. I put all my trust in God. We're at the place right now. Ain't no finances coming in from anywhere else. So... It's hit or miss, sink or swim. We're going to get totally invested in the gospel of Christ. And he's going to establish this church and bring things forward. Because there ain't nowhere else to go. If not now, Sister Deborah, when? What's this Susie saying? is has got to Right. We've made all these excuses why we can't serve God, why we can't pray, why we can't study the Word, why we can't come together. It ain't the life God's given us. It's the life we've created for ourselves. And we've created all kind of hindrances and excuses and reasons why God ain't real in our lives. Oh, this will tell you He's real. We can say he's real. We can talk about how real he is. We can sing about how real he is. We can testify about how real he is. But what's in here? What's in here? I had a young man in the church in Fort Payne. I couldn't explain to him about all these gospel music concerts. Oh, he loved them. He'd drive 100 miles to be in a gospel music concert. Spent everything he had to buy tickets, travel eat, stay in a motel, buy t-shirts and CDs. But I couldn't get him in prayer and get in a relationship with God. He wouldn't honor God with the tithes and offerings. He'd save it all up. And he'd come back all fired up. You know how long it lasted? (laughs) All fired up. I kept saying, I said, boy, they're entertainers. They're entertainers. You could see them behind the scenes. They're probably drug addicts, dope heads, Wrong. adulterers, fornicators, alcoholics. I said, they're entertainers. Every concert you go to, they're going to say the same thing, same way with gospel music. I don't care what you say. Brother in our church, Brother Harlan, he said, I don't know how many professional groups try to get him to sing for him," And he said, Brother Metter, I wouldn't do it. He said some of the greatest ones out there over the years. He said alcoholics and drug addicts and fornicators and adulterers. Any of y'all know anything about old Southern gospel music? You know the name Hobie Lister. Hobie Lister was an alcoholic. But the started telling me about some of the biggest names out there. A lot of them fornicators. They live that life on the road. He said, I want no part of it. I want no part of this world. I was raised in religion. Don't want no part of it. I want Jesus. I want this kingdom. I want this Christ revealed in me. I gotta have it. I've come to the place now. I ain't been at this place in many a year, but I remember I got this place years ago, and it drove me to fast sixty-five days. Because I had to have something in God. Like to kill myself. Hadn't been for God's mercy, I had to kill myself, Sister Pat. Didn't know no different. And God helped me. God had mercy on me sustained me. Eat my last meal on the fourth day of September and didn't eat again to the middle of November. You say, you can't do that. I did it. But God done something in me too. But i got to have Jesus see if just fasting to do it I'd have had it done won't do it we need an act of God we need an act of God and you know what's going to bring it sufferings of Christ it ain't coming through religion it ain't coming through singing it ain't coming through shouting it ain't coming through preaching it's coming through taking this word of God and applying it to your life and learning to live by this word and it's it's what Paul said he said my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be what form, fashion comes forth it's just like a a woman conceives it grows Christ has got to grow in you there's a seed planted in you when you repent and His Spirit comes in you. There's a seed planting in you. But you got to let that seed grow. You've got to give it room to go. you got to nourish it. Because if you don't, it'll die. You don't feed that in there, it'll die. And people have been feeding it the wrong thing. And we've brought forth. Idols and idol worship. I got tickled this week. I've been up here since Tuesday and I've been down here at church several times I think it's Tuesday after Tuesday I come up and I'll go home tomorrow and spend some time with my family but then Tuesday or Wednesday I'll be right back up here I told Brother Thomas Quentin the other night I said I'm fixing to get to church every evening and I said I'm going to pray he said I get off at 5 o'clock he said you'll text me and let me know he said I'll come to church and pray with you We're going to do it or we ain't. We're going to do it or we ain't. Because if we don't do it now, when are we going to do? it? We're going to keep making excuses. Putting things off. This is going to come up. That's going to come up. You make up your mind to pray, everything in the world will come up. Every reason, every excuse, every upsetness, every distraction, everything the devil can do to keep you out of prayer, it's going to pop up. Amen. It's going to come up. It's going to come up. But the Lord really started dealing with me. He's been dealing with me on the sufferings of Christ. And see, church don't teach people that they're going to suffer. They teach them they're going to be caught out of this suffering. Lord told me two weeks ago, the tribulation we fixing to enter into is the sufferings of Christ. And if we don't go through these sufferings, ain't nothing going to be perfected in us. Ain't nothing going to be perfected in us if we don't learn to endure these sufferings. That scripture in the Word of God that says, He that endureth unto the end, the same shall be saved. The Lord told me that enduring is enduring tribulation. And you go through that tribulation, you endure that suffering, at the end of it, God's going to perfect you. I ain't looking to go to heaven. I'm looking to possess the kingdom of heaven. The authority and dominion. Of Christ living in here. I got to have something to help people. That's my calling. That's my purpose. If I can't help people, if I can't preach this gospel and bring healing and deliverance and help and teach people how to live holy and clean, I told somebody long ago, I said, take me out somewhere and shoot me. Get rid of me because I ain't good for nothing. It's what I've lived my whole life to do. 44 years, fixing going to 45 years. Of present my body to uh, to the Lord to be able to preach the gospel and possess a kingdom. And if I wouldn't know what to do myself, if I couldn't do this. And I sure ain't good for nothing else. This is all I'm good for. Oh, I can go out and do other things, but I'd be man most miserable. <laughs> I would. I'd be man most miserable. Amen. But Jesus himself said in Matthew 12, I believe, no, 11. I think it was verse 12. He said, from John the Baptist unto right now. And it still holds true today. The kingdom of heaven suffered violence. So we know the kingdom of heaven is the authority and dominion of God taking its abode in here. And fullness will come somewhere. But he said the kingdom of heaven so that authority and dominion that God wants to put in here has been fought against. It's suffered violence. But then he said in the violent so what are you going to do? What is it that you're going to do that you're going to take this kingdom by force. Ask yourself: you're going to keep going to church on Sunday and having a good time, singing and shouting, and weeping and crying, and hear a good message, and then go out and go right back in the world. Get yourself caught up in carnality and joking and funning and. All the pressures and cares of life. And, and don't pray. Read your Bible. Talk about God. Study. Do not present your body to Christ. Till you come back church next week. The same what the Lord designed for us. Just what we made, we made life what it is. We made, and we're scared. To walk away from jobs. We're scared to cut back. We're scared. You think I ain't scared right now? You better believe I'm scared. My carnal man's scared to death. Well, my spiritual man's fighting mad. My carnal man's scared to death, Sister Pat. Because I don't know where my next dollar's coming from. And I ain't pitching y'all a pity party. I don't know. But i got to hope and trust in Christ. And he said that if you'll seek first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. He said all these things that the Gentiles fight and labor for and desire to have, I'll lay them at your feet. I'll give them to you. Don't take no thought for tomorrow. Don't worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow, what you're going to wear, what you're going to put on. He said, I got a whole creation out here and I take care of everything in it. He said, I'll take care of you. If he said, you'll give yourself to me and seek after my righteousness. That's his promise. I'm going to get that promise. And some of y'all going with me. I'm going to get that promise Susie. Susie I'm going to get it. We gon' get it. Because we in this together. And you got bills to pay and you got things come and do, and you know you got obligations and you're an honest and upright person. You don't know where your next paycheck's coming from. You don't know if there's gonna be money there to pay the light bill, pay the mortgage, pay the car payment. Put food on the table. You just keep pressing on God, pressing on God, pressing on God, telling God this is what you said. You spoke in prophecies. You're just going to put money in different places. You're just going to cause people to give money. You're going to put money in our bills. We'll be looking for something, open a drawer. God said all that. God said He'd provide. Somewhere we got to trust Him. I ain't telling y'all go out and quit your jobs. That ain't what I'm saying. But the ministry God's called me to, I need to be in the place that I can give myself continually to prayer and the ministry of the Word. I'm in that place. So what is it we're going to do? Because what I believe is being fought against, what am I going to do that I'm going to be able to take this by force? Stop and ask yourself. He said in the violent take it. How do you take the authority of the word of God? How do you step up there and forcefully come to that understanding and get that faith in you that whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. How do you forcefully and violently, how do you take this? That's what the word says. Said the violent going to take it. The violent going to take it before us. Amen. We're going to take it. We're going to take it. I feel something fixing to happen. I feel such a deep working in the Spirit of God. And there's just every now and then I feel something moving me that I just feel that authority, dominion of God that just wells up in here and I feel that strength and that faith and that power. And somewhere the Spirit of God is going to move on me in a more step out there and begin to speak because all it takes is one act of God all it takes is one act of faith to change things and turn things y'all hear me God don't have to move all heaven (laughs) all he got to do is speak we're going to have to lay hold of this thing we're going to have to lay hold but I'm telling you and I've tried to tell people and I've tried to tell people you better get ready Persecution's fixing to hit this country fixing to hit this country and fixing to hit it bad you know they got a thing on Facebook called memories and I clicked on that and they had one from July the 2nd a year ago and I clicked on it and I was relating a vision that I saw back in the 90's of Jesus weeping over America like he whipped over Jerusalem And I went on down and I started telling people I said y'all don't know the persecution You don't know the trouble You don't know the famine You don't know the death, the destruction, the terrorism You don't know what's fixing to hit this nation And I said you better get ready You better get ready Because Paul wrote in Timothy He said all That will live godly In Christ Jesus Shall suffer Persecution And I ain't talking about somebody lying on you I ain't talking about somebody just giving a bad report. I've lived through bad reports. I've lived through being reproached. I've lived through having my name cast out as evil. I can handle that. I'm talking about physical persecution for to this nation. People can't see it. God's blinded the eyes of the government officials. But it's being laid in. Foundation. This whole administration been in office has laid the foundation for the Muslim religion to start taking over in this country. And when they take over, they're going to bring in this Sharia law. Y'all say it won't ever happen in America. Hide and watch. Hide and watch. What did Jesus tell us? He told us. He said they're going to persecute you. Some of you going to be beat. Some of you going to be stoned. Some of you going to be put to death. and see, all they, uh, people think that all that happened back in Jesus' day with the apostles. Yeah, it did. And we would we wouldn't have never thought in our time, Kerry, of people getting their heads cut off. A few years back, we would have never thought about it. We would have never thought about people being stoned. We would have never thought about people being beat with rods. So they took all them sayings that Jesus said, and they applied them to the apostles, and they said, we're getting out of this. Lord's going to catch us out of this. We ain't going to go through what they went through. What does Sharia law do? Beat you with rods. stone you to death. Cut your head off. The very persecutions the Lord warned us about in the Bible, they're happening today. And they're happening to Christians overseas. So y'all think God's going to let them get their heads cut off? Y'all think God's going to let them be stoned and be beat? Y'all think God's going to let them go through all this? And all us good little Christians over here, Lord, just going to want to go whoop. But wake yourself up. All that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You're going to suffer it. You all hear me? You're going to suffer it if you live godly, if you live holy. Now, if you're with this modern bunch, that all they want to do is have good church, and the, all they want to talk about is their prosperity their material things how God's blessed them in the natural how good God's been to them <laughs> I don't know that gospel and I don't want to know that gospel because they don't line up what Paul and Peter preached <laughs> Peter wrote in First Peter 5 he said be be on guard he said because your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If the devil can get you concentrating on material, see it ain't that the devil just messes people up with sin, he distracts you. Gets you on the wrong thing. Get you off course. Takes that much. <laughs> Takes getting off course that much. Is that right? Stand right here, point them feet at that door, I'll walk right there. I do this. I ain't gonna hit my mark. Just that much. Just get you distracted that much. Just get you caught up in the cares of life and the pleasures of life. What will it do? It will choke the good seed of the Word of God out of you. Make you lose your desire. Make you lose your hunger. Make you lose your burden. Make you lose what the Lord's called you for. And you get sidetracked in something else. Oh, everybody wants to be well thought of. Everybody wants to be, have their name lifted up. Jesus said you better be careful when all men speak well of you. Now, buddy, that's one thing I don't have to worry about. (laughs) I don't have to worry about all men speaking well of me. But you know, people don't know me. All they know is what I stand for and what I preach. And Peter said, even our brother Paul says things that are hard to be understood. Some of the revelations I got and what God's put in me, they're hard to be understood. You'll never understand them in a carnal mind. But you let God begin to open the Word up in the Spirit, we're just this close. <laughs> I know what the Lord told me the other day. He said, just a few days, the ministry of the Son of Man is fixed up on the scene. I'm going to get this. If I don't get it, somebody is, but I'm going to get it. I got my eyes on the mark. I'm pressing toward a mark. What's that mark? The fullness of God in Christ Jesus. That's what Paul was talking about. I got my eyes on a mark. I pressed toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. The fullness of God finally, now, dwells in Christ Jesus. He walked in a, a, a great measure of it while he walked on his earth. He did not have the fullness when he walked on his earth. That's the reason the Bible said he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. If he had the fullness of God, he wouldn't have to learn nothing. He wouldn't have to learn nothing. But he learned obedience through the things which he suffered. And through suffering, the captain of our salvation was made perfect or complete. Are you all hearing me? God's wanting to complete us. He don't want us lacking. He wants us complete. He wants what he was to start working in us. And then he wants us to become as he is. We've got to get this Son of Man ministry before we get this Sons of God ministry. But I'm going to tell you something. The only thing that's going to bring you to the Son of Man ministry is sufferings. Because when you start suffering for the kingdom of God and for the gospel's sake, then God's got to fight for you. he got to fight for you. Because it ain't your battle, it's His. Everybody keeps hollering, well, the battle's the Lord, not the junk you're in, it ain't. Y'all ever wonder why God don't step in sometime and intervene for you? Paul said, I'm the scum of the earth. We're the off We're reproached.
1: <laughs> Woo.
2: Don't sound like the gospel's getting preached today, does it? <laughs> oh, no, it don't. It don't. Hallelujah. See if I can find what I'm looking for. See if people read their Bibles. Go with me to 1 Corinthians, the 4th chapter. Maybe this isn't what y'all come to hear today. But you know... I found out the Lord will always give us something that's good for us instead of being good to us. <laughs> I'd rather have God give me something that's good for me. My mama said, and she's grown up, said every spring, said her mama would take a little bit of sugar, put it in a great big old tablespoon, and then pour the rest of that spoon full of kerosene or coal oil, is what they called it back then mix it up and they'd take a tablespoon of coal oil mixed with some sugar to help it go down but she said I'm going to tell you something I said that stuff would work you you wasn't sick because <laughs> it worked everything in you out anybody know what I'm talking about they talk about all this medicine now let me tell you something. sometimes all you, all, you, all you need is just a good dose of coal oil with some sugar mixed in it <laughs> and it'll work everything out of you she said they give it to us in the spring. They give it to us in the fall, and said we was hardly ever sick. Now every time you turn around, people sick. A lot of it's cause of the way we live, yeah. things we do, things we eat. Are y'all with me? Man, I feel God's purpose in this place today. Anybody feel God's purpose? First Corinthians, four chapter, ninth verse. For I think that God has set us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world, and to angels, and to men. God didn't just say, I'll make you a spectacle to men. He said, I'll make you a spectacle unto the world, and I'll make you a spectacle to angels. He said, the angels in heaven. Don't... Do y'all know the angels don't understand this kingdom? They don't understand this gospel? They can't. The Bible said they desired to look into it and can't. It's not revealed to them. He said, you'll be made a spectacle to the angels. They'll be laughing at you and making fun of you. So God tells them be quiet and get down there and help you. <laughs> because he said, I'm made by angels, ministering spirits, and my minister's a flame of fire. Do y'all know how close we are to something being revealed in us? That the devil ain't going to know what to do with us. He ain't going to be able to do nothing with us. Hallelujah. We are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. We're what? Despised. The world don't love you the world hates the standard of righteousness that's lifted up in a real servant of God's life you know why brings conviction on brings conviction on because when they see somebody living it sister Pat they know they can live it they know they've been taught to live it they know where they was raised right and they see somebody living clean and holy and walking upright. they despise you because they don't want change (laughs) they don't want change when light shines out of darkness, darkness comprehends it not. Men love darkness rather than light. People want their idols. They want their sin. They want their evil. They want their prosperity. They don't want righteousness and wholeness. Not very many of them. That's why God said, I got a few. Amen. There's a few fixing, finding a straight and narrow way that's going to lead to this kingdom. Maybe y'all would rather I turned over to Daniel and the Lions, then preach some good faith. <laughs> I'm not votes for... Oh, every now and then I'll get on it. But if I start preaching about Daniel and the Lions, then I'll wind up preaching about your shack, my shack, and to bed we go. That's about the spirit of the church world now. It's full of adultery. It's full of fornicators. It's full of perversion. Full of evil. And I've seen a report the other day. They said there's some human rights organization trying to say that you force your kids to go to church, take them to church, make them go to church, you're abusing them. They're trying to get in and and pass a law that kids don't have to go to church now. Parents can't make them go to church. They said they're abusing them. It's against their human rights that parents can make them go to church. This world has lost its mind. Let me tell you something. If I got them at home, they'd still go. I don't care what kind of law they passed. pass. My daddy told me, he said, Son, I don't care if you're 25 years old, as long as you live under my roof, you go in to church, and you're going to do right, and you're going to act right. The day you don't, you better be able to make your own way. <laughs> and at 17, I moved out. But it wasn't because I disrespected Mom and Daddy. I wanted to live my own life and I wanted to become a man. And It wasn't about two years but God got a hold of me and turned me upside down, inside out, backwards and forward and I turned committed my life to Christ. It wasn't that I was bad. I just like some of y'all didn't want nobody telling me what to do. <laughs> and when I got old enough to make my own way I made my own decisions. But That's the way it's supposed to be. But once you give your life to Christ Heard Sister Daniels preach one of the greatest message she ever preached right there in Fort Payne, Alabama. She said, "Some call him Savior, but I call him Lord." It's one thing call Jesus your Savior; it's another thing call him Lord and give him control of your life. Amen. He don't have control of our lives. You tell yourself what you want to. He don't have control of our lives. We do our will, and we try to get God to sanction it. We do what we feel like we need to do. We live our lives according to what we want. And we try to get God's blessings on it. (laughs) I think you should have just kept going. (laughs) She laid a good foundation, didn't she? Hallelujah. Woo! Even under this present hour, I'm at verse 11, 1 Corinthians 4. Even under this present hour, we both hunger and thirst and are naked and are buffeted and have no certain dwelling place. He's talking about the apostles' ministry. He's talking about men that are servants of the Most High God. He's talking about men that faith lives in them. They work miracles. They cast out devils. They heal the sick. They cleanse the lepers. They raise the dead. And, and, and Paul is saying right here, even this present hour, he said, I can be hungry. I can be hungry Paul said I know what it's like to be abased, and I know what it's like to be a bound. I know what it's like to be hungry naked thirsty and I know what it's like to have plenty y'all hear me yes. but see today Christians got this certain idea Of how blessed we're supposed to be. What kind of house we're supposed to live in. How much money we're supposed to have. What kind of food we can eat. And if we don't get it. Start fussing at God. Start fussing at him. Lord I'm your child. You're supposed to be taking care of me. What about this holy apostle of God right here. He said right here right now. He said. i could be hungry. I'd be thirsty. Did Paul not list out. That he was hungry, thirsty, naked, cold. Did he not list all them things out? And everything he went through? He said, man, he said, I've been shipwrecked three times. We only read about once. But he said, I was shipwrecked three different times. He said, one time I floated a day and a night out there in the ocean. And then we get upset. If we ain't got the right kind of steak or hamburger or fish, or we ain't got the right kind of car to drive, or we ain't living in a certain type of house, we can't wear a certain kind of clothes, we'll start fussing at God. God never promised you these things. Christianity's involved into a social religion, and people want a a certain lifestyle. They want to be looked at in the eyes of the world, people's pride. (laughs) People's pride's got them. People's pride's got them. Back when I first started in tent ministry, I come across a a brother. I went to his hometown. And uh, you remember Travis Waycaster? Did you know him? You didn't know him? Okay. Did y'all ever know him, Brother Donald? Okay. Well, I lived in Beaufort, Georgia. and Went to second grade there. Lived in Flyer Branch, Georgia, if y'all know where that is. Went to first grade there. And... Met Brother Travis, waycaster. Me and him was five years old at that time. My daddy pastored a church there and brought his mom and dad out of the Baptist into Holiness, And we went to church together for two or three years. Well, I come across Brother Travis when I was about 20 years old. Hadn't seen him since I was about seven. And he was preaching. And he had got saved and God cleaned his life up. And so the Lord spoke to me to go to Buford, Georgia. And I put a tent up, and I did. I run in Brother Travis, and we got reconnected. And he said, "Brother Metter," he said, "I ain't never seen nothing like you." As he told me this years later, he said, "You come pulling on that tent lot." He said, and "I come out there to help you." He said, "You had that old '64 International pickup truck." He said, "You had that old beat-up trailer." He said, you come pull it on that tent lot. And he said, had that old ragged tent and everything on it. He said, but you were so proud. He said, of what God had give you. And he said, you put that tent up. He said, patches on top of patches. And he said, when it rained, it rained more inside of it than it did out. That's my wife. That's where I met her. Didn't it? It rained, man. Water just pour in it. He said, but you pull. He said, man, you're so proud of what God gave you. I said, you know why? I said, I preached for years with nothing. Didn't have nothing. Didn't have a tent. Didn't have no equipment. Sometimes I didn't even have a way to go. had to hitchhike to preach. I said, old 64 International may not been much, but I said, buddy, it got me down the road. But see, a lot of people won't do that. They won't use what they've been given. It ain't good enough. Don't look good enough. I believe in being clean. I believe in being neat. I believe in having good equipment. Because years later, I went to Greenville, North Carolina, put my tent up, and there was a preacher come out there to meet, and I prayed for his mom. I think she had a cataract God healed her, and his dad was deaf in both ears, and, and he invited me to come preach in his church. And he, don't, he told me, he said, I don't invite very many preachers. He said, but at that time, I, I, I was in a 40-day fast. He said, but I pulled up on the tent lot, and he said, I'd been there several nights watching you preach, watching what was going on. And he said, I never seen you nowhere outside of the tent. He said, You stayed in that trailer, you took the platform, or you you know, you stayed in prayer. He said, But Lord spoke to me to have you come to my church. I said, All right, God, if I pull up, and I said he walks around that side of the tent. I said, I'm gonna ask him to preach. I was in the trailer praying, the Lord said, Get dressed. About such and such a time he said, You go out the door, he said you walk around that side of the tent. <laughs> God talk to you. So just he pulled up, I walked around that side of the tent. He walked up, asked me to come to his church and preach. And when he stood up to introduce me, he said, Y'all know I don't let very many people step in my pulpit. He said, But I've watched this man for a week and a half. I said he's a prayer prayer. I said he preaches a solid word, I said he's having miracles, and said every piece of equipment he's got is clean and neat and well took care of. He said, it ain't ragged, it ain't run down, it ain't beat up. He said, it's clean, neat. He said, it's painted. He said, his chairs. Everything's always in order every night. He said, and God told me to let him preach. And he said, when he gets through preaching, I said, we're going to raise him a good offering. I had a good service there that day, real good service. God touched a lot of lives, delivered a lot of people. And then some of the people I had out there on the road with me messed everything up with him a shame but I hold a standard but if my standards threadbare shirts (laughs) and the slacks are threadbare on the knees where I've been praying that's the best I can do then that's all there is I'm going to do the best I can do but I ain't getting prideful and lifted up because I ain't got one thing God didn't give me You ain't got one thing God didn't give you. If God's blessed you, if God's prospered you, if God's been good to you, if God's given you possessions, you better be sure you honor God in your tithe and offerings. You better be sure God speaks to you. Because I've had God speak to me. And I've had God tell me, you see that man right over there, you go over and give him $100. I said, God, that's the last $100 I got. He said, where'd you get it? I said, you give it to me. He said, don't worry about it. (laughs) Don't worry about it. He said, he said, if I give you that, he said, and I tell you to give it, you better give it. If I give you a car, a tent, a truck, a possession, I tell you to give it away, you better give it away. He said, because I hold your purse strings, don't nobody else. Amen. It's like that guitar, says Susie. You said, God spoke to you, give Brother Patterson's. See what it does? It just didn't move for you. It sparked a giving spirit in that whole church see one act of obedience can cause something to happen doesn't matter what people think about us i don't care what people think about me there's something in here i ain't boasting and i ain't bragging but there's something in here there's a word in here there's anointing in here that'll preach deliverance and it'll change lives and it will cause people to hunger and thirst after the righteousness of god i didn't put it here God put it here. God put it here. But when I get to preaching the Word and I get to preaching faith, I can preach faith and make you stand on your feet and shout and dare to believe God. You've heard me preach. I can inspire you. But it ain't something I practiced, it ain't something I worked up, it's something God put here. And I know there's a gift, and I know there's anointing here. If I can get people to believe deliverance will come, healing will come, miracles will come. I went by Sister Cat and Brother Thomas's house the other night, felt led to go and minister to them. She had that little grandbaby there. And they said that grandbaby's got all kind of... Uh, Skeletal problems behind its eyes and its head where it got abused and mistreated. And I walked over there, and that baby was just agitated. You could see it, wasn't it, Sister Kathy? Just agitated, just holding it, trying to get it to eat, and it was moving around. And the Spirit of God hit me, and I laid hands on that baby, and I did it. baby just calmed down, went right to sleep, and I said, Y'all take her and have her checked. I believe she's going to be all right because there's something in here. And when the Spirit of God moves on me, I'll speak what I hear God say. I'll act on what I feel God do. I I don't care. I might be the off of the earth. I I might be the scum. I might be despised. But the Bible said Jesus was a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. He was rejected of men. You want a social gospel? Go get something else. You want to be loved and liked by all men? Go get something else. But this is a gospel of loneliness. This is a gospel gospel of heartache. This is a gospel of sorrow. This is a gospel where you're going to be rejected. Hallelujah, men. The saints may love you, and there's some saints that will love you, but most of them are going to persecute you. They're going to lie on you, run you down, cast your name out as evil, I tell you you're preaching false doctrine, and then you're fixing to go through physical persecution. And when you start going through physical persecution, you're going to go through mental warfare. But it'll mature you. <laughs> Pressure will mature you. Yes. And that's where God's people are right now. They're being put in the fire. I was talking to Brother Thomas the other night. I just walked up and put my hand around his shoulder. I said, you remember when I ministered to you and God told you to stand still? He said, oh, yeah. I said, you remember what you told God? Oh, yeah. Piece of cake a cake I got this he said brother I just hung my head and laughed I said hang tight son I said God's maturing you I said he's getting ready for something he said I had no idea you could be under such pressure I said oh yeah you can I said but God teaches you how to handle pressure And I'm fixing to read them scriptures over there. Paul talked about all the things he went through. And he said, besides that, there comes the care of all the churches that I've established daily. Falls on the weight of my shoulders. And I've got to pray for all the needs and all the cares of all these churches. He said, on top of everything else I'm dealing with. On top of getting beat. On top of going to jail. On top of being shipwrecked. Woo! Anybody want to reign with Him? Anybody want to reign with Him? You want that Christ revealed in here in the same power and authority and life? You want that spirit of that Christ revealed in here? Well, if you reign with Him, you got to first suffer with Him. you got to first suffer with Him. Now, I ain't talking about the sufferings we went through right now. I'm talking about we. Let me tell you something. They catch you preaching the gospel and beat the daylight side of you and leave you on the side of the road for dead and you can get up and preach again you know you got something <laughs> we was in India in 07 so last year I went it was up in the north part called Punjab and we went out in them villages a lot of Muslims out there and we preached and we had them we had them do this and glare at us while we was preaching, it's almost like they just defying us. And we were three miles from the Pakistani border. We could see the Pakistani border. We preached in villages where the roofs were flat. And we preached on top of the roofs. And we'd have fifty, sixty, and hundred people on top of them roofs, hungry for God. And then Muslims would come and they'd stand and they'd do this and they'd glare at us and they'd defy us. We went out to eat with a couple of them preachers for lunch. You know what they started telling us? The many times they'd been beat. One man said, they broke my jaw, they broke my nose, they broke my arm. He said, I thought they was going to kill me. And he said, then they just quit beating me and walked off and left me laying in the dark. He said, I'd been in a village preaching and I was walking home. He said, about 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night. And he said, they... Four or five of them caught me and said they just beat me mercifully. He said, I thought they were going to kill me. I said, what would you do? He said, I recovered. Went back to the same village and preached again. (laughs) Then you know you got something. Then you know you ain't in this for self-glory. You ain't in this for fame or fortune. You ain't in this for people to speak well of you. You're in it to declare the Christ. To bring salvation and healing and deliverance to people's lives. See, we've got to get our eyes on the right thing. Paul said, I got my eyes on a prize. He wasn't after fame. He wouldn't. My, my God, Paul walked away from all that. Paul was highly educated, he, had, he was well to do in the natural. Paul could speak three or four different languages, highly educated, had position. Paul had a family according to the the, uh, rules of the Sanhedrin court. You weren't even supposed to be a member of the Sanhedrin court if you didn't have a family. Paul had family. He walked off and left it all. And he said, I count all things but dung. Everything I've got, I count it lost. I count it but dung that I might win Christ. That I might come to know him. That I might get this, that I might come to this excellency of this knowledge of Christ. And then when I get that, I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. In the power of his resurrection. You see what Paul said? You want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings? Or you want to know him in the power of his resurrection? Comes through the fellowship of his sufferings. Comes through the fellowship of his sufferings. And he said. Being made conformable unto his death. I ain't just talking about his physical death. I'm talking about everything he went through. I'm talking about you reading Psalms 16, I believe it is. How the gates of hell. Got hold of him. How ungodly men. Y'all listen to all them souls of them lost men persecuted him. How? When he was down there in hell and the devils walked up to him, and, son of God, let's see you do something. Down there bound by the sins of humanity. Ha, son of God, you that sent me back here, you that cast me out and you walked on this earth, where you at now? Why had you wind up here? You the son of God. Why can't you do something? Why you tormented him, persecuted him, and all he had to hold on to was that scripture that says, "Because it was prophesied uh, that I will not leave my soul in only that will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption." Uh, and I know that after three days the body begins to rot, uh, so I can't stay here very long. Uh, I got to hold on to that word uh, because of this, my flesh shall rest uh, in hope uh, and I hold on to that uh, that soul of Christ uh, had to hold on to the word of God in hell, uh, he had to pray constantly uh, in hell or he could have been lost uh, are y'all with me, uh, he suffered down there, uh, he suffered down there in torments of demons uh, and different things, he suffered down there, uh, he suffered physically on this earth, uh, he suffered rejection, uh, there are sufferings of Christ uh, that we are fixing to go through uh, to possess this kingdom uh, that we're gonna have to grab hold and hang on uh, and get prepared because we ain't ready we ain't ready I read a story just a I guess somebody posted it, emailed it or something to me years ago they said it's they getting ready to have church he said four or five armed men bust into the church. Had hoods on, had machine guns. Looked at the crowd, probably several hundred. Said, anybody don't want to die for the name of Jesus? Said, you better hit them doors. Said, people run out by the hundreds. Just so left just a few sitting there. He said, I'm telling you again. He said, every one of you that trust in God, he said, I'm fixing to kill you. You don't want to die for the name of Jesus, better hit them doors. Stayed there they waited they put pressure on them see if it's going to recant, see if it's going to move pastor standing up on the pulpit didn't know what to do man turned around motioned to his guys they moved to the door of the church he looked at him and said now pastor he said there's your real members preach to them there's your real members now preach to them because these want something these are hungry these are going to do what it takes are we going to do what it takes are we going to keep making excuses we're we going to keep setting up our golden calves we're we going to keep telling God why we can't pray why we can't fast, why we can't live by the word why we can't sacrifice I, in an offer or our tithe when God speaks to us I, why we can't honor God with our substance and the first fruit of all of our increase I, and why 40, 50 hours 60 hours a week is caught up in taking care of this flesh and just a little bit of time is given to God Woo. I won't blame somebody for this message blame Sister Susie she started it. <laughs> now this was already in my notes God been dealing with me all week we've created a lifestyle that robs us of our relationship with God and when God starts dealing with us about it we don't want to make any concessions you know why? We love ourselves. And we love our lives. We love our comforts. Ooh. Maybe I should have took the offering for a preached like this. <laughs> this ought to make you want to give. It ought to make you want to fight. It ought to make you want to seek God. Ought to. This is why preachers don't want me in their pulpits. Revival's going everywhere all the time. Brother Metter don't get invited. You think Brother Metter cares? Because I'm fixing to have more people I can preach to. I'm fixing to have more people I can preach to. And I know that. i got confidence in that. Because God said the hungry was coming. When the Lord played that prophecy by Sister Angel Abraham two or three weeks ago, he said the hungry's coming. The hunger's coming. You ain't gonna do nothing with people that just want good church. You're gonna do nothing with. Them. And I texted my wife this week, I said, God has set us in the gospel singing, shoutingest good church people I've ever been around in my life. Because I listen to the gospel station up here just every now and then. I can't listen to it much. <laughs> Because <laughs> about every four or five minutes, this singing group's going to be here. That singing group's going to be there. This church is having a singing every third Friday night. This and every third Saturday night. This and every fourth Sunday night. Y'all come be with us. We're going to have a great time in the Lord. We're going to sing and shout and praise God. And the songs are pathetic. They will destroy your faith in God, 90% of them. And I texted her, I said, I know what's wrong now. God's <laughs> set me in the middle of a fight. <laughs> and fight I will. To get somebody grounded in a faith. But it's going to cost you. Amen. You're going to suffer. If you're going to reign with Him, you're going to suffer with Him. You're going to suffer with Him. And the sufferings of Christ ain't all physical either. What I just described to you, when you go back and read, I believe it's Psalms 116. I didn't have a chance to look it up, where He talks about all the sorrows of hell, compassion. He said, The pains of death get a hold of me are y'all with me he suffered he was tormented he was tortured by them demons and he held on he held on to that word <laughs> cuz see when you hold on to the word of God it can't fail he said because David spoke this and said I will not leave my soul in hell neither will I suffer thy holy one to see corruption he said my flesh shall rest in hope <laughs> He said, that body's in that tomb, and he said, my spirit's down here. He said, but my flesh will rest in hope because that body ain't going to stay in that grave long enough to start (laughs) corrupting. It ain't going to stand there long enough to start rotting. So somewhere in in just the next little while, I'm coming out of here. I'm coming out of here. I'm going to pay for all your sins. And then I'm going to be resurrected spiritually. I'm going to be birthed and brought forth. Acts 13 says, in the day that he raised him from the dead, he said, Thou art my son. This day have I begotten thee. When he birthed that in him, he became God. Ascended out of that pit, stepped back in that body that body became glorified Uh, that mortal put on immortality that corruption put on incorruption Uh, hallelujah Uh, and he ascended Uh, hallelujah up to the father put his blood on the mercy seat Uh, and obtained eternal salvation for me and you Uh, and then he come right back down to this earth Uh, and got his disciples ready Uh, and said something fixing to come Uh, something fixing to come and live in you Uh, and it's going to kill this sin nature Uh, it's going to kill this desire this carnal mind uh, that's what I'm after uh, because the only thing that's going to bring you to the place uh, to suffer uh, with him uh, is going to be the the death uh, of the carnal man uh, the baptism in Romans 6 uh, ain't water baptism uh, it's being baptized into his death uh, he said as many of you have been baptized into Christ uh, have been baptized into my death uh," and he said if you are planted in the likeness of my death uh, so shall you be raised in the likeness of my resurrection not up there here 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 what did God tell us the first day of the year when I come in here and preach right after the first of the year I preached in Fort Payne January the second on my knees the Lord spoke to me and said the baptism of his death is different than the baptism of the Holy Ghost and I come in here and I instructed the people I said two things God told me to tell us to seek for in 2016, to be baptized into his death and to see the fivefold ministry come forth. Yep. That's exactly what God instructed us, and we have not done it. Got off on a lot of money trails <laughs> but I made up my mind two weeks ago. I said, I'm fixing to seek to be baptized into his death. Because that's the only thing that's going to kill the sin nature. What's this, Susie, is talking about? If you can get in here and shout and sing, talk in tongues and praise God, they can be used in the gifts. Walk outside and your anger get the best of you. There's something wrong with your relationship with God. There's something wrong with your relationship with God. It ain't right. It ain't real. You hear me? Why? That sin nature's still alive. But Paul talked about a baptism. That would destroy this body of sin. That would put it there. And we ain't never had it. The baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire, kill the sick, cleanse the lepers, you might even raise the dead, cast out devils, be used in all nine gifts. That's the baptism of the Holy Ghost in tongues of fire. Being baptized into his death is a completely different manifestation of the Spirit of God. It don't look like the Holy Ghost. But because the church is taught, when you get that, you get it all. When you get the Holy Ghost and tongues of fire, you got it all. Nobody's ever sought for this sin nature to be killed. And y'all seen it. I've seen it. I've done it. Fast and pray, talk in tongues. God use you in the gifts. Sin nature still alive. Still alive. You get so mad at yourself sometimes you can slap your own face. (laughs) And y'all ever get so mad at yourself you can slap your own face? Why? We've never been baptized into his death. That's what God's wanting to give us. Because when you're baptized into his death, you will have the nature that you can suffer for Christ. If you don't get this being baptized into his death and the sin nature start dying, you are not going to be able to suffer with Christ. You're not going to be able to endure persecution. First time somebody comes up and slaps you and you're standing on the street corner preaching, if you don't get this in you, you'll punch them back. Don't tell me you won't. First time somebody comes up and I'm standing there preaching, my wife standing beside me and they grab hold of my wife and I don't have this spirit of Christ in me to kill this sin nature God better have mercy on me because somebody's fixing to get hurt they tell me I don't know what I'm talking about we have not been baptized in it we have not been baptized in what he was talking about in Romans the sixth chapter when he said that this body of sin should be destroyed why am I still battling this 44 years later why am I still battling carnality 44 years later if when I got the Holy Ghost, is supposed to take care of all this. Right. Yes. Give me an amen, an old meal. It's true, and you will not endure. Per- you know what caused the apostles to endure persecution, and count it all joy that they, they were counted worthy to suffer shame for His name. They got a measure, of that baptism into His death, and the Bible said, "And they loved not their lives unto death." They didn't care about their lives. We're right opposite. We got the Holy Ghost, and all we do is seek to satisfy the carnal man. To gain material things. A man came to Jesus and said, Lord, he said, Me and my brothers got an inheritance he won't share with me. He said, I want you to set him in order. Jesus looked at him and said, Man. He said, a man's life consists not in the abundance of the things which he possesses. If you don't lose your life, you never find his life. Next time the devil starts aggravating you about all you went through, all the reproach, all the vexation, all the hardship, throw your hands up and say, thank you, Jesus, because he's getting you ready. When somebody casts your name out as evil... Let them talk about me. It just makes me more determined to possess the kingdom. It just makes me more determined to lay hold of what God's got for us so I can lead somebody into this. I ain't just in this for myself. I'm going to lead somebody into this. God told me two or three years ago, said I would possess the kingdom, and he said you will lead others into it. God spoke to me and told me. He said I have held you back from possessing this kingdom. He said you're ready to go in, but I have held you back. That you might lead others into this kingdom. I went over and over and over that prophecy. I said, Now, Lord, I said, I've been fighting for this for a long time. He said, Yeah, but I've held you back because I'm getting others ready and you're going to take them into it. God's good to us. God's good to us. God's good to us. But he said after that you suffered a while. He will establish, strengthen, settle you. And I believe in there he says he make you perfect. First Peter five and ten. He said, after you. You gotta suffer a while. You gotta suffer a while. He said, then he'll establish, settle you, make you perfect. You know, he said, if he makes you perfect, you won't lack anything.
0: <laughs>
2: I don't know about you, but I'm lacking. But see, I can admit I'm lacking. Sister Kathy, I ain't going to tell you that I got what they got on the day of Pentecost. People that I've preached to for years still believe they got what they got on the day of Pentecost. Brother Michael told me here about a month ago, he said somebody confronted him outside the church because he was trying to tell them, you ain't got this power. You ain't got this. And, buddy, they just bowed up at him. I got it. Will you look at your life and tell me what you're doing that shows me you got what they got on that Pentecost? Well, you don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> he tried to talk to him for about 20 minutes, and he finally just gave up. How many people I've had, how many preachers I've had tell me that they got what they got on the day. You know why? That's what was taught. But it ain't never manifested. We ain't never been able to go through persecution. We ain't never been able to cast out devils with our word. When that woman that spirit of divination followed Paul and Silas, Paul didn't fool that woman. He didn't look at her, he didn't talk to her, he didn't lay hands on her. He just grieved and finally he turned and the Bible said in in Acts 16, 16, and he turned to the Spirit and spoke to it. And he told the Spirit, come out of her. He didn't lay hands on her, he didn't address her, he just said, get out of her. I charge you in the name of Jesus Christ and that, come out of her. And the Bible said, and it came out the same hour because he had authority he had authority I remember just before Sister Angela gave that prophecy down there in the ministry meeting in Twin City Brother Cromwell was talking about something and she spoke up and said yeah said the Lord just asked me in prayer does the devil know your name I said he knows mine does the devil know your name Can the devil speak up if you speak in the name of Jesus and charge him to do something? Can he be obedient to the word that's in you? Or does he say, Paul, I know in Jesus I know. Well, who are you? <laughs> oh, it's quiet here today. But you know what God's doing? He's giving us a reality check. So if you've got what they got on the day of Pentecost, I'm going to see you walk through downtown LJ. Sun hanging high and bright. They find out you're coming, which direction you're coming in from, so they'll know which way your shadow falls. <laughs> and they'll lay the sick on the street. And by any means, your shadow just goes over them. Is that not what he said about Peter? Or get charged by the Spirit of God and go down to a heathen city like Samaria and preach Christ all kind of miracles start happening, demons crying with loud voices come out that's what Philip did God's giving us a reality check don't go boasting something you ain't got you go boasting something you ain't got somewhere the devil will challenge you. amen but if we're going to do this, let's do it let's get in prayer Let's make up our mind. We're going to get in prayer. We're going to seek God. If you ain't got a key to the church, I'll give you one. It ain't going to hurt every, any of you if you can get here. And I know some of you are restricted. But if you can get here 30, 40 minutes an hour every evening. Come 3 o'clock morning, I don't care. I'm at the place now. If I wake up 3 o'clock morning, I'll get up and start praying and studying. I may stay awake 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning, go back to sleep, sleep, seven thirty eight o'clock. Get up, pray, and study again, go back to sleep at 11 o'clock in the morning. I don't care. I don't care what people say about me. I want God. And I've got to learn to be led by the Spirit of God, but I've got to be flexible to the working of the Holy Ghost. But if I can be here at 5 o'clock every evening, Brother Thomas said, I get off at 5 o'clock, I'm right here in LJ. He said, you text me, I'll come pray with you. Why not? Why not? You may not be able to come at 5 o'clock. You may not be able to come at 10 o'clock. You may come 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't care. It's time to buckle down and fight. And it's time to come together as a body. Pray. I can tell you this. We start pressing in prayer. God's going to fill this church up. But He ain't going to do it till we do. He ain't going to do it till we do. We start praying in Fort Payne 2008. We had our youth rally, first youth rally at the church under that big shed we put up. 2008, we started praying. And wherever I was, what was it, 8 o'clock at night? We stopped and we went to prayer. That was Georgia time. And I told people everywhere, I said, whatever you're doing, I said, set aside. If it's 7 o'clock your time, if it's 8 o'clock your time, set aside. Go to prayer. Sometimes we prayed 20 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour. But you know what started happening? Church started filling up. We gained 20-something people in Fort Payne in 2008 from June to September at our camp meeting. We added 20-something people. We went from about 35, 40 people to almost 60. Just because we started praying, seeking God. Do we want to do this? Do we want to do it? Y'all going to do it with me? Because you don't, know I'm going to do it without you. i got to have this. i got to have this, this Pat. I gotta have this. I gotta have it. She says Kathy, I gotta have it because there ain't nothing else for me. There ain't nothing else for me. This is what I was born for. That old song. Sometimes I just get to sing. I was born to serve the Lord. I was born to serve the Lord. Ain't y'all born to serve the Lord? I know God's purpose for my life. And I plan on fulfilling it. Do you love him? Man, I didn't get off first scripture. Hardly. But that's all right. That means I got plenty to preach next week. The Lord leads me here. I study these notes. And what I wrote down makes a lot of sense. It's right on line where Sister Susie was. If we're going to reign with him, we're first going to suffer with him. Amen. We're going to suffer with him. People ain't gonna like you, they ain't gonna talk good about you. When you really start striving to live for God, people are gonna cast your name out as evil. They're gonna persecute you. Don't be surprised. You know people today get persecuted for the cause of Christ in this country, they're surprised. Why didn't the good happen in America? <laughs> they're surprised. Because we've enjoyed great religious freedom. God's been good to us. When the true gospel begins to reveal itself and souls begin to get saved and deliverance begins to come and people begin to want to live clean and holy, persecution's going to start. Persecution's going to start. Get ready for it. Get ready for it. Amen. Get ready for it. Because they ain't going to like you. Jesus said. If they've persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Is that not what he said? He said, if they've cast my name out as evil, (laughs) if they call the master of the house, Belzebub, what are they going to say about you? And we expect everybody to like us. He said, blessed are you. When men shall revile you, persecute you, and say all manner of evil against you for my name's sake. He said, blessed are you. He said, for yours is the kingdom of heaven. Amen. You ain't going to get it without it. You ain't going to get the kingdom of heaven. You ain't going to get this dominion of the Christ. Without persecution. Without sufferance. But I'm going to tell you something. What he showed me and what I feel in my spirit. If he'll give me the grace and the strength. I'll suffer with him. There ain't nothing else left. Amen. Amen. Do you love the Lord? You all appreciate this word today? Let's go to prayer and let's ask God to hide this in our heart. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I ask you, Lord, hide your word in our heart. God, David, prayed and he said, Lord, I have hid my word in your heart that I might not sin against you. Let the words of my mouth... And the meditations of my heart, O God, be found acceptable. In thy sight, for you are my strength, and you are my redeemer. You are my everything, Jesus. I don't know what to do without you. God, I need you. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your goodness. I need your love. I need your provision. But God, most of all, I need you to order my steps by the working of your spirit. Let all my ways please you. I want to please you, Lord. Lord, just like your son Jesus come up out of that water after John baptized him, and you said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want my ways to please you. I want everything I do. I want the thoughts that I think and the words that I speak. I want all my actions. To be pleasing in thy sight. Oh God, I don't care if I please man. But I want to please you, Master. I give you honor for this word. I thank you for the spirit that I feel. And I thank you for what you've done in this service today. We give you honor. In Jesus' name. And let this word get hold of our hearts. I love you, Father. Amen. Appreciate the Lord today. He's good. Amen. Amen. He's good. No, ma'am. They used to rock the preachers here from the church. Shoot at
3: them. Shoot the ceiling. Shoot the chimney. And it's coming back. They did what? We had wood heat back in the old days. And they shoot the chimney down. You know, they had chimney. When they shoot the chimney down, shoot house and they stand the yard with a pastor lived, rock him home. I mean, rock. It's
2: coming back. It's coming back. It's coming back. One of them big preachers used to be up there. I don't know if he's still alive or not. He used to be up there in Ohio. He moved to Florida. His daddy was a holiness preacher. He went big charismatic preacher. And he was telling a story on his radio broadcast and then he anyone on TV. But he's telling a story. He said they had a knock at the door one night. And he said he looked out and said there's five or six men. And he said he. I know there was him. There may have been one or two other kids. That's when they built the flyer bins on the walls. Y'all remember the old flyer bins they used to build on the wall and you could raise them up? He said he raised them up, put all of his kids in there and pulled the lid down on them. Said so they took that man out and beat him for preaching the gospel and he didn't want his kids to get hurt. I don't know where his wife was. And to hear him tell that and to hear the junkies preach it, I'd be ashamed of myself. I'd have been ashamed of myself From my daddy to have stood for wholeness and righteousness and me, me be preaching a bunch of prosperity junk. I'd be ashamed of myself. Amen. I want to stand for righteousness. I want to be pleasing in the eyes of the Lord. I believe there's a day that's going to come he's going to look at us and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Bible said, oh. if you ways please the Lord. He said, I'll cause your enemies to be at peace with you. Amen. Let's prepare. Y'all take this word and study it this week. I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Hallelujah. I need about three or four of you in here to give $1,000 this week. Come on now, where's your faith? Do your best. Do what you can. And please... Pray for God to give us direction about our finances and what we need to do. Will you do that? Because course, we're just trying to follow the leadership of the Spirit of God. But let's do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. You got something you want to help us with? It's greatly appreciated. But first and foremost, honor God in your tithe and offerings. Amen. Will you stand and come and be obedient to the Lord? you know I had a lady one time she come to a meeting and she come up just to cry and she come up and told me where's her jar I gotta get mine there back in the office but she come up and told me she said brother met she said I always bring you a good offering she said but she said I ain't got nothing and I think she gave me 50 cents she said but I just ain't got nothing right now I said, that's all right. And I prayed for God to bless her. Because she gave what she had. She said, my husband, she come back next night, said, my husband, give me $20. Go to the grocery store. Said, I was heading in the grocery store, seen something blowing. Said, I reached down, picked a brand new $100 bill. She brought me an offering that night. She brought me an offering. I had a brother up in Canada and I went up there and he, he really helped me. I think he gave me fifteen hundred two thousand dollars while I was up there preaching and about three weeks after I left the meeting the first city going down the street and he seen a piece of paper laying there and he leaned down and picked it up and up there they got thousand dollar bills in Canada because I've had a lady give me one but they got a thousand dollar bill he said I picked it up and he was telling me this next time I was up there he said it was a thousand dollar bill I said you shout he said no I said you did he said no he said I walked right down the street to the bank Walked in there to tell her and put it down there. Said, ma'am, is that real? She picked it up, examined it, checked it. She said, yes, sir, it is. He said, then I shouted. (laughs) He said, I won't know it's real before I shouted over it. (laughs) said, yes, ma'am, it's real. He said, I started shouting right there in the bike. He said, they thought I'd lost my mind. He said, but how many times? You get to walk down the street and pick up $1,000. I said, not very often. You get to walk down the street and pick up $100. So... But we've got to reach that place. We're going to trust God to take care of us. Amen. How many of y'all appreciate this word? I think this word is rich, and I think it's deep. I think it's strong. I think God's trying to help us. Amen. Will you go to prayer with me? Father, in the name of Jesus, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. Let your name be honored and glorified. Thank you for the offering. Thank you for the people helping us and standing with us, Lord. God, thank you that you made a provision for us to be able to stay up here, Lord. God, I want to get in this church and pray. Find your will. Find your leadership. Find a way to strengthen and help your people. Give us direction, Lord. God, let that that we do be moved on by your Spirit. And as we put our hand to bless it, Father. We give you honor in Jesus' name. Amen. I appreciate the Lord today. Let's make up our mind. We're going to do it now. If we don't do it now, I don't know when we're going to do it. Amen. God wants something to happen. God told us that he would put Ella J. and Carter K. Georgia on the map. Did he not? And he's going to do it because of an act of God. If we'll set our hearts to seek him, I believe he'll do it. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on, Sister Kathy, and I'll let you dismiss for us. Hallelujah. And whatever problem we're having with the mics, let's get it fixed. Amen. God bless you.
3: Okay, praise the Lord. I just wanted to read this to you from the God's Word Translation because I like it. Pastor was ministering from Matthew eleven verse twelve. From the time of John the Baptizer until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing, and forceful people have been seizing it. We got something to seize. Yeah. Hallelujah. We're advancing, and we've got something to take hold of. I'm thankful this morning. Hallelujah. I was thinking, Lord, I'm the least of the least. <laughs> Why you would choose me, God? I have no idea. So undisciplined growing up. Not not undisciplined in dealing with my parents or whatever, but just self-discipline has never been a strength for me. It's never been a strength for me. Why would God
4: choose someone who struggled so with self-discipline? That just humbles my spirit, Sister Lisa. If I can do it, then anybody can do it by his mercy and strength, not by anything that I am, but because he chose it and he'll call you to it unless he's going to equip you to it amen i'm thankful this morning i just love the lord he's precious in every way he's precious and as I was praying this morning it was like i didn't really have a a prayer to seek for this or to seek for that or to seek for that i tried you know, and I did ask God to bless the service, but there was just such a worship, just such an uh, 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 attitude of knowing that he's God and he's sovereign and I'm his. Hallelujah. I'm thankful this morning that he loves me. Hallelujah. When nobody else loved me, Sister Deborah? He loved me anyway. Amen. Stand to your feet. Praise the Lord. God, we thank you, Lord, for your grace and love and mercies. God, we thank you for what you're doing. We're thankful, Lord, that you make us a fearless people, God. Hallelujah. That will go forth and take hold and seize this kingdom for your glory and your honor. Give us strength, God. Give us wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, God. Give us discernment, Lord, to know the Spirit's God. Hallelujah. Equip us, Lord. And help us to be effective for your glory. And for these things, God, we do praise you in Jesus' mighty name. And the church said, Amen.